Section 13 of Stories and Pictures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Violet Blue of Albertville. Stories and Pictures by I. L. Peretz. Translated by Helena Frank. Section 13. Savitsky Withdraws. Yoisel Goes Into Retreat since the dread of the pestilence had so increased the townsfolk ran a mile when they saw savitsky coming they were afraid of him and no wonder after all a man is only flesh and blood he may suddenly become indisposed any day and savitsky now is cock of the walk he can have people put to bed smeared rubbed can pour drugs down their throats drive out the whole family burn the furniture poison people and then make post-mortems what an outrage when doctors want to know the nature of an illness they poison off the first patients and look for little worms inside them but what is to be done when one is in exile one is arofe and apte having declared that the doctor there poisoned his patients they imprisoned him for three months on bread and water you think i mean the doctor no mercy on us the rofe that is why when savitsky appeared in the street it grew suddenly empty if he looked up at the window a blind was drawn or the window was filled up with a sheet a cushion anything one fine morning the street where savitsky lived stood empty all the householders and the tenants had moved away overnight no one wished to come within his area it was a real case of woe to the wicked and woe to his neighbor savitsky has remarked it and he is silent more than that he has withdrawn himself from the town for the time being just as a cat will spring aside from a mouse it won't run away he sits the whole day at home or goes for walks outside the town in the mud he is sure of his game then why irritate the people by prying when the time comes he will know doors and windows won't keep the thing in there will be cries as on the day of atonement the jews have little self-control they are a people very much afraid of death and helpless when face to face with sickness savitsky had lived through a typhus epidemic he had seen the overflow of feeling heard the cries and commotion he seemed to be in a sea of lamentation and wailing oh no they will never keep it to themselves he withdrew from the street and yoisel withdrew from the street and the house of study as well one wished it the other had to do it since there was more talk of the pestilence yoisel's whole melancholy had vanished as though brushed away by the hand indeed he grew more cheerful merrier day by day and would often without meaning to do so burst out laughing he could not help himself it bubbled up within him he had to laugh it tickled him in all his limbs the paler the householders grew the ruddier grew he the lower they hung their heads the higher he carried his the more subdued grew their voices the clearer and fuller yoisel's and the more the house of study sighed the louder his laughter ha 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 and it was not his fault something in him laughed of itself and at a time when all other eyes were dim and moist his shone brighter and brighter they fairly sparkled at a time when people stood and looked at each other open-mouthed not daring to move a limb his feet danced beneath him he could have kissed every desk the stove the walls is he mad people asked or what has possessed him he's most certainly mad was the reply certainly he ought to be sent to the asylum yoisel was not afraid even of the asylum 
he knows that Kohal will not spend money on that. A few years ago a madwoman was frozen to death in the street after running around a whole winter without clothes, and all that time it never occurred to anyone to hire a conveyance and have her taken to a refuge. People were extremely sorry for her. Another in her case would have gone about the country and begged a few pence. She hadn't even the wits to do so much. The householders only sighed, and there it ended. Why should he, Yoisel, be of more consequence? He is anxious not to make Kohal angry. There is no other orphan, true, but if Kohal became angry, they might have one brought, and someone else might become an orphan. Alarming thought. Anyhow, Kohal will have to give a wedding present. It is well to keep on terms with people. Secondly, Yoisel is afraid lest they should take him for a real lunatic and have to get another. They would never marry a real lunatic. There would be no use in that. Another thing, and this is the principal one, he needs retirement. He must be alone with his thoughts. He must reflect and consider, and dream by night and by day. He finds rest now at night in the house of study, when the others go and he is left alone with the desks and chairs. He runs to the window, presses his burning forehead against the cold pane. It grows cool in his brain. His ideas move in order. If it is a clear night, he thinks the moon is making signs to him, that is, that Joshua, the son of noon, says to him, in pantomime, yes or no, as he thinks best. By day he saunters about by himself outside the town. He does not feel the creeping cold that makes its way in through the holes in his garments. He does not feel the wet that enters boldly his half-open boots. He makes gestures with his hand, talks to himself, in the leaden clouds or to the pale winter sun he has so much to think about so much to say he is the one orphan lad but there are three orphan girls and he would like to know which of them is for him in the foreground stands devotia daughter of jeremiah the shoemaker the latter was kind to yoisel before he died and would sometimes call him in and mend his boots once he gave him a pair of cobbler's shoes he would spare him a piece of bread and dripping or an onion Yoisel on these occasions could not take his eyes off Devosha. Oh, he remembers her well. She stands before him now, a stout, healthy girl, red-cheeked like a Simas Torah apple, and strong as they make them. When she takes the hatchet, the splinters fly. If Jeremiah had not died, Yoisel would have proposed the match. He liked a fine, healthy girl of the sort. When he thinks of her, his mouth waters. Once he cannot forget it he met her on the stairs and she attracted him like a magnet he went close and touched her dress and she gave him a little push which all but sent him rolling down a good thing he caught hold of the banisters after that it was some time before he dared show himself upstairs again he was afraid lest she should have told her father and later on when he would have risked it and gone with his life in his hand jeremiah was already ill he lay sick for about three weeks and then died then his wife fell into a decline and died too now devotia is maid-servant at saul the money-lenders when he goes there for his day he sometimes finds himself alone with her in the room then he hasn't the courage to say a word to her she has a look in her eyes but if kohal wishes it she will never dare say no kohal is kohal devotia he thought longingly would be good to have he can imagine no better wife he may possibly get a pat on the cheek from her but that's nothing unusual and he will take it kindly he will only hug and kiss her for it he would wash the dust off her feet and follow her about like a child 
he would obey her stroke her fondle her and press her tight to his heart tighter still though it should beat even quicker than it was beating now though it should burst though it should jump out of him though his soul should escape he would die at her feet and he will press her to himself ah if cahal would only settle on devotia her little finger is worth the whole of another woman he asks for nothing more at present than her little finger he would take it and squeeze it with all his might to prove to her that she wanted a husband but cahal may think of another orphan yonder at the burial-ground is a second there she is though he does not know her name she is only half an orphan motherless but she has a father only what a father it were better to have none a nice person is beryl the grave-digger he spends the day in the public-houses and leaves her alone among the graves sometimes he even goes home tipsy and beats her they say he even measures the graves with her dragging her along by the hair the whole town says it but nobody wants to interfere they are afraid of him a drunkard and a strong man besides some few years ago he gave moisha glazer a poke in the side just for good fellowship and the latter has had a lung trouble ever since he grows paler every day and can hardly breathe if the daughter were not as hard as nails she wouldn't be alive the mother went down into an early grave and what does he want with the girl yoisel feels a pang at his heart he saw her one day and will never forget it he saw her at the funeral of jeremiah the shoemaker when he was afraid to go near to the grave lest he should find himself close to devotia she was crying and her tears would have fallen on his heart like molten lead so he turned away and walked round about the cemetery and two or three times he passed the window of beryl the grave-digger he saw her standing with downcast eyes peeling potatoes a pale ethereal figure he could have clasped her with one hand but she must be a good-hearted girl she has such eyes such a look once she lifted her eyelids and devotion was nowhere the whole funeral was nowhere such was the gentleness that beamed in her blue eyes and the sweetness in her face only queen esther could have looked like that and queen esther was sallow while she is white like alabaster her hair is black as coal but then once she was married it would not be seen any more ay how beautiful she is how she leads the heart captive and she has another merit in his eyes when he sees devotion it excites him but while he looked at her it felt good and light and warm within him from that day forward he attended every funeral and glanced in at the window yes he wants her too let it rather be her he would just as soon in fact it would be better so he would treat her like a toy play with her every day and do everything for her he would never let her dip a hand in cold water he would do all the chopping cooking baking and washing indeed everything upon the one condition that she should stand and watch him and smile when there was time he would take her and carry her about like a little child he would rise with the dawn and in winter time soon have the stove lighted in summer soon have set the kettle on for morning tea he would walk softly on his toes and quietly dust her dress and shoes he would quietly place the clothes beside her bed and then only go noiselessly and bend over her and look at her and look at her till the sun rose and it was a broad day till the sun shone in the window then only wake her with a kiss that would be a life worth the name and a good match too oi oi devotion may have a few gilden she is saving but she holds a parsonet as it were in her hand every one knows that beryl is being burnt up by brandy 
than rofe says he eats nothing and goes about heaven defend us with his inside full of holes in a hundred and twenty years to come yoisel might take over the grave-digging why not at first he would feel frightened of the corpses but one gets used to everything with her beside him he would feel at home in gehenna it is not a nice parsonet but then he would be able to live outside the town no one could overlook him that would be a life paradise in the burial ground but if the lot should fall on la paix la paix is the nickname of the third orphan girl when he remembers her he grows cold in every limb she is a town orphan who has been one ever since he can remember sickly with a large head hair that falls out and somewhat crooked feet she doesn't walk on her soles but on her toes and with her heels in the air and as she walks she wobbles like a tipsy person he often meets her in the street she has no home of her own but goes from house to house helping the servants fetches water for one wood for another helps a third to chop up a little resinous fir wood carries a bucket fills a tub when she has no work she begs once a year she washes the floor of the house of study where she spends the night he does not know la paix la paix he pictures her to himself and he shudders he feels cold all over she must be forty years old she has looked so much ever since he can remember lord of the world he cries out in terror that would be worse than hanging and lifts his terrified eyes imploringly to heaven on his pale forehead are drops of perspiration as large as peas but he is moved to compassion in his heart poor thing she would certainly also like to be married she is equally a blind sheep equally an orphan she has nothing either beyond a god in heaven he feels inclined to weep over her lot and his together and on second thoughts he places himself in god's hands if god wills it so it shall be she he throws himself on god and on kohal the one destined by god and given by kohal shall be his mate he will honor her and be true to her and will be to her a husband like any other and he will forget the other too then a fresh anxiety rises within him if the destined one be la paix where are they to live where can they go what will they do she hasn't a penny and goes about tattered a draggle tail and sells her birthright for a handful of cold potatoes she takes two gilded for washing the floor of the house of study not enough for dry bread and he what can he do of what use is he were he not lame he would be a messenger he knows no trade unless he consoles himself he became a teacher all the householders will give wedding presents and he will hire a room with the money and start keeping school he knows quite enough to teach especially little children let come what may if only he has a wife there are jews who have uglier wives and who are worse cripples but there they are a wife is a wife only not to live alone and eat days and he may yet succeed in getting one of the other two and once more he begins to invent a paradise he smiles on at the mud and the leaden clouds hush something has occurred to him if he knew for certain that poor la paix was fated to die of the pestilence he would gladly marry her at least poor thing she would have had a husband before she died if only for a month why not is she not a jewish daughter it wouldn't hurt him and it would be fair on the part of his blessed name he does not wish her death heaven forbid on the contrary he is sorry for her he feels and knows the meaning of misery of being all alone always all alone 
End of section 13. Recording by Violet Blue of Albertville.